Do you aspire to become a responsible leader? How do you see yourself now as a young man? Learning from challenges is one thing, but getting opportunities is another. If you're a young man who wants to learn about personal growth, life lessons, and leadership, tune in to Essential 11, shaping leaders among leaders. What's up, my friend? Hey, how are you? This is awesome. So many awesome. Seeing all the faces here. It's exciting. Cool, man? It's the best. It it's is. Like I do this every Friday, brother. I get to do this and and hang out with all these you know amazing young men from all over the place. And I got so many of our amazing men that jump in and join us too. And I've even invited on this one specifically, um, I asked if uh, some of our home education families wanted to come in and join too, just to, just to hear and get a peek behind the curtain, man. So <laughs> that's yeah. great, man. Yeah, it's cool. How's things going for you? All is well, man. Fridays, Fridays are great. Today, we've got a wind chill of about negative three outside. So I'm just glad to be that's gross. I'm glad to be inside today. Yeah, that's disgusting. That's awesome. Yeah, um, good for you. Well, this is fun, man. So, the way we uh, way we roll with this is we want to dive into dive into you. Um, I want to chat about you. I want to chat about your story because there's this is a cool one, man. Because um, it's always fun when I know the person that's coming into because that's not always the case right sometimes we're yep. getting to know the guest as as you're here so that's always fun when you know the person it's always fun when you know they don't bring them on unless there's a high level of respect for the person as it is um so you as a human are just a phenomenal guy you've got a lot of amazing things going on and we operate in the same sort of space mm -hmm. And not only do we operate in the same sort of space, we've gotten to work together and continuing to, to really work together in this space too. So it just makes it a unique thing, man. And I'm really excited about it. Um, so before we get into all the like, here's the cool stuff we're doing and start to get questions from the young men who are here, because they'll come in and ask way better things than I do. We want to talk about Mitchell, man. And we like to take it back to like Mitchell at Mitchell at 12, Mitchell at 13. Who is that young guy? Did he have it all figured out? He's got life by the tail and knows exactly what he's doing. Is he a hot freaking mess? Is he somewhere in between? <laughs> um, let's start there. Yeah, man, that's uh, <laughs> I haven't gone that far back in, in quite a while, but it's it's fun to even think about that. Um, you know, what's what's funny is I, I think about uh, how my life has unfolded over the past 25 years. Uh, you know, 20, 25 years. It's funny to watch the curve, uh, especially when it comes to, like clarity about what what I was working towards in the next chapter in my life or in that current chapter. When I think about myself at like early teens, 10, 15, that range, like, I had a very, very specific vision for my life. Very, very specific vision. Um, I was that somewhat precocious, bookworm, academic, highly highly academically inclined, highly ambitious um, young adult. My mom was a public school teacher. So I, I pretty much lived at the school mm -hmm. and then lived at the church. Like that's, that was what I spent most of my time as a, as a kid. And um, I was a middle sibling of five. And so I kind of got to, <laughs> we had older siblings that were always playing sports and younger, uh, my younger brothers are twins. And okay, th th that was a lot of chaos too. So I kind of had this opportunity to, 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 to develop a lot of independence at a young age. And we grew up uh, in the middle of nowhere with a uh, very kind of like blue collar agricultural 
like uh, area of the country where we, we grew up. And I knew from a young age, like, I want to go see what's out in the world. I want to know uh, what else is out there. I want to I want to find a way to to leave this area because everybody stays around here. And I, I have no idea what's waiting outside. Like there's this great big, big adventure. So I knew at a young age, again, uh, I was this bookworm. I knew part of part of my desire to get away from where I was from. Yeah. It's like, I got to make a lot of money. I got to like go figure out how to how to travel the world and see all these things. And I, I don't know why it was that I was attached to, like, I want to find a way to make a lot of money. Um, I, I didn't know at that age, but there were a couple things that sort of converged at a very young age. I was really interested in uh, anatomy, physiology, brain science. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, my mom would drop me off the library during the summers. I'd go read like the biology books and um, so I was, I was learning about the brain. I thought, wow, I want to be a neuro, uh, a neurologist or a neurosurgeon around the same time. I read a book by Dr. Ben Carson called gifted hands. Mm. Um, in that book, he highlights the first success, successful separation of Siamese twins, mm-hmm. um, who were attached at the brain. It was this very high stakes, uh, surgery. And then I read this magazine article. It was like, uh, pediatric neurosurgeons make $963,000 per year. And so it's these three things as a kid, yeah. I don't, you don't even know what money is when you're a kid, but you're like, wow, that sounds awesome. That sounds, that sounds yeah. like, that yeah. sounds like those people are successful. And so I set this very clear vision from, you know, elementary school. It's like, I'm going to get the grades. I'm going to go to medical school. I'm going to be a surgeon. I'm going to go down this path. And I followed that path for well into my twenties, my early twenties. Mm. Um, like, Coming out of high school, had my pick at colleges, had, you know, the test scores, had scholarships, had all this, and was dead set. I'm going to go to medical school. And was when it, still, not, not to interrupt, but was it still okay. like, hey, to get this opportunity too, there is still this element of, I got to get out of here too? Yeah, like, it still, was. Like, I got to get out of here and I'm not coming back. Like, I'm going to go here. And, okay. I uh, just, if that was still the mindset. Yeah, it, it, it was. But <laughs> part of this, now that I'm older and I, I want to believe wiser and I've thought a lot more about sort of the, the the big decisions in my life and why I was motivated by certain things. Part of it was this um, this sense of feeling like an outsider growing up. I played on all the sports teams in the big city that mm-hmm. where my family lived, but I went to this small little rural school uh, where my mom taught, where academics were you know much more uh, a focus. And so I always felt like an outsider playing on all these teams. And I, I, uh, at the same time, people told me at a young age, they're like, you're a smart kid and smart kids, they're doctors or lawyers and all this. So I felt very pigeonholed, even though I, I didn't feel like as a kid, but as I got older, I felt like there was a certain level of expectation that I had to shoot for professionally, academically in my career. And so all of that was built up. You know, I was super involved in everything, got good grades, did all, all of this was built up for kind of this big yeah. hero's journey yeah. <laughs> for lack right. 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 for to say it the most positive way possible for when I got out of high school. Yep. Um, there was kind of a series of decisions about where I was going to go to school and all these things. And once I got out into the real world, uh, which an argument to be made whether college is the real world, but I went to college and it took not very long at all for me to realize this isn't what I want to do with my life. I don't want to be a doctor. I love mm-hmm. science. I love math, but I have no idea what I want to do with my life. I've never really thought hard about what it is I'm interested in, what it is I'm best at. 
what it is that fires me up, but I've been chasing this dream that was a function of prestige and impressiveness. Mm -hmm. um, it had to be the thing that I thought was the most, the highest, most difficult, most impressive sounding thing to reach for in a various stage of my life. And it wasn't until I got into college that I started to realize, hey, I've been I've been, uh, my motives have been a function of like what other people expect from me. It's yep. never been about like what I actually want. And so that was a really, really tough part of my journey. Uh, the next, you know, few years while I was in college, I was bored. School came naturally to me. So I, I, I didn't really go to class as much except unless I was particularly interested in the subject. Yeah. Um, I would get by, I'd, I'd take the tests, but simultaneously, I got really involved in in a bunch of student organizations, but more importantly, this early stage media company. And from my freshman year through the time I graduated, the way that I spent my time shifted from like all these school things to this like non-school thing over and over. Like by the time I graduated, I was spending most of my time working on this, uh, you know, doing my job in this media company, uh, plus some other freelance things that I'd done. Uh, but it's funny over, over time, I became less and less interested in, in college. I felt like, I felt like I had to finish it out. Yeah. I wish, I wish I knew what I knew then I didn't know anybody that dropped out of college. I didn't know that there was this option to just like, Hey, you can leave and you can go be successful. You can go like, stop wasting your time and you can go all in on these things. And I wish I would have known that sooner. Would um, you have been supported in that? Would your mom, I mean, coming from a public school teaching background, doing this, like as you're making this transition, is this, and because this is part of that question too, like, were you making that transition alone? Like where you're transitioning in your mind going, hmm, I don't really want to do this anymore. I'm liking this, so I'm not going to do, right? So there, that's a tough transition. I remember feeling the same thing in college, just going like, this is a freaking joke. Um, so were you kind of alone in that? Did you express that to your parents? Would they have been supportive if you had been like, see ya? Yeah, it's 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 tough to say. I, I know they would now today, knowing yeah. where I'm at on yeah, my yeah, journey. Yeah. But it, sure. at that point, I think it was tough because I was the studious kid in our, yeah. you know, of their of yeah. their kids. I was yeah. the the really studious, high achieving one that had like taken this interest. I had this really yeah. high mark that I'd set for myself. And there were there were a couple different points in college where, you know, like I, I never was one to like, I'm going to ask my parents to get their blessing. I'm going to go do something and then I'll, I'll fill them in later. But I, I changed my major from uh, biochemistry to mm. business and pre-law. Like mm. I was like, I'm, oh, if not medical school, I better go to law school because, you know, I still got to meet this sort of impressive uh, floor. And I did that. And I don't even know how many months. It was several months past before I told my parents. And they were they were like shocked. Yeah. And we had a couple more conversations like that over that four-year span where I think they were a little bit surprised by my decisions because I'd always had this very clear yep. idea of what I thought my life was going to be. And over time, that evolved. And I don't think my parents, it wasn't that they weren't supportive. They're great people. They've always uh, held a high standard for me. And I think that's what it, it's been at is... Hey, are you, are you, uh, are you not holding yourself to that same high standard? Are you changing course because um, you're not focused? I I messed around a ton in college. I can't get that time back. I wasted so much time, and I think that that was always their concern. Was um, 
are you really, are you really still pushing yourself to be the best version of yourself? Yeah. And I think if I would have had a good plan, I think they would have been supportive because I think they would have been yeah. excited for me to leave the lifestyle that college <laughs> kind of uh, so cultivates. That I think that's an interesting place that I that I want to kind of pause and think about for a second. So what what you're talking about here is this this idea of clarity and this standard that everybody wants for themselves and that we want for our for our our young ones, right? Our kids, and we want this high standard of life. Like all those things are are good, but we we conflate having a standard with also having a very clear plan. And I don't think those necessarily have to go together. And, and we also confuse like, Hey, if I don't know exactly where I'm going to go, that it's like, Oh my gosh, well now you're lowering your standards. Right. And yep. so that's why college for a lot of people, I think seems like a, it seems like a great thing because you can define it and you yep. can go, look, here is the, here is the thing. And so everybody just accepts it. And just assumes that that's some level of clarity, which means there's a high standard being held, right? Which you and I both know and everybody on this call knows that doesn't necessarily mean that you know anything of what you're doing, that you have the ability to, to, to create or adapt or that something is, you know, for sure at the end of the road, like that we confuse those things. Yep. Yeah. And I think to go a little bit deeper in that same point. You know, this is the sweet spot. This is where I work is with young adults who are thinking about how to yeah. turn their interest into a career, how to go step out. And part mm -hmm. of this is is a uh, part of why I'm so passionate about this, I think, is is that I lacked a framework for. Yeah. For taking interest and mapping that onto a career. And yeah. what I mean by mapping that on, it's maybe the wrong phrasing. College, the idea of college or higher education is this thing you do that's a defined milestone in between young adulthood and your adulthood and then your career is it it causes us to be a little bit lazy intellectually when we think about what it is we want to do mm -hmm. you know same example i was a kid i knew i was interested in these things like uh, science uh, science psychiatry biology all of these kind of like um all of these kind of things. And because I was very academically inclined, I, I, I didn't I didn't really sit down and and try and get creative like, hey, how could I pursue these things? Yep. It was more like, OK, what's there's a clear path. I have to go through this path. And so what's the way to get there? Oh, well, I've got to go to I've got to go to medical school. And then I've got to kind of like if I want to I really want to lean into these specific interests on the other side of medical school. I have to become a surgeon or I have to become this. And it wasn't like, you know, today I spend probably 40% of my time creating content. And a lot of it is like studying how to be a high performer, studying how to handle challenges. What do you, what's, you know, it's a lot of the, the mindset stuff too. And I can't tell you how many books I've read that are still in line with that interest I had as a kid. I would have never, I would have never imagined, oh, you can build a life and career around this interest. It just may not look the way that you you originally thought, and that's what I where I where I think part of the challenge of of college as this next step to career. It it allows us to, or maybe allows not the right word. It prevents us from being creative. It, it kind of, we kind of turn our brains off instead of being creative about like how could I 
It's, well, this is the way it's done. This is the way it's done. It is a very specific recipe. You know, it's a McDonald's recipe with McDonald's ingredients and you're going to get a freaking nugget. But we pretend like it teaches us how to cook. Yeah. Right? It's that. It's so low level, low standard, low quality. And I'm not saying that you can't get some benefits out of a university or that there's not good educators there. There's not. But what you're saying, I love the way you framed it because you're saying it does. It makes you intellectually lazy because you're just outsourcing your responsibility. You don't ever have to stop and take the time to learn about yourself and all the things that you could potentially bring and all the different options. If the path is just laid out right there in front of you, you're just following that recipe. That's it. And that's the problem is so many people get done. They're like, okay, I follow the recipe and it's like, crap, but now what do I want to do? Wait, I thought I was supposed to just figure that out. I just wasted a lot of time and money and I don't know who I am. I don't know what, like, that's the problem. That is a huge problem. Yeah. Oh, so you're spending all the time in the media company. Sorry. I, yeah. know I railed it a little you're bit. You're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah. I, I spent a ton of time working on this company and, and to give you some context here. So this company was a handful of people when I got involved and it was just this simple idea. Hey, we're going to, we're going to create campus specific newspapers. Um, we are going to fund the newspapers by getting local advertisements. And what we're going to do is specifically find students who want to create content and we're going to build a platform for them. It's going to start as a weekly periodical. And then it's going, we're going to turn this into an online, we're going to be like an early online media platform for millennial creators. Mm. That was the hunch. And I didn't know what a startup was. I'm just like, Hey, this sounds interesting. I've always liked to write. Um, I like to put things on my resume. It was, it was literally simple, simple things like that. And I, then I got involved and it was awesome. Um, it was me and a couple other people I knew on campus who we were friends through other, other things. And we had to hustle. We had to go get literally every single dollar to fund that first year. We had to go get that. We had to go. Nobody knew about this thing. Um, it was only a year old, kind of when we got involved. And it's like, hey, we're going to launch this thing. And they're like, well, there's already a campus newspaper. And so it was this like uphill battle the entire time. And we got it off the ground and we launched it. And then we had to go recruit a ton of, of other people to write. And we just, it, it began to snowball into this thing. It was like, wow, I'm getting real experience building a real business. Mm. I ended up kind of taking that over for the next few years while I graduated. And it was like my baby and people knew me on campus is like the, the paper was called the Odyssey. And they're like, oh, there's the Odyssey guy. And, and it was, it was my thing, but I'll give you one, one final anecdote here about this company and sort of how this fed into the rest of my journey. So for, to graduate college, uh, my 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 college has this like requirement where you have to go get an internship, and that internship I found out later had to have the blessing of the department heads before you did it. Mm. And if you didn't have their blessing in advance, mm. and you went ahead and got an internship and then tried to apply retroactively, it wasn't guaranteed it was going to get approved. So I had this three and a half year long internship for lack of better words i'm working directly with the ceo and founder in in many cases i'm working with a regional sales team we we were running you know by the the time that i graduated this was this business was worth more than a million dollars just just my branch and this this uh this paper had grown grown from a handful of campuses to nearly 800 in that time so we're talking about like thousands and thousands of students all over the country 
And I went to submit this as an internship credit and my department heads were like, nope, this isn't good enough. This is not a high quality internship. We didn't get it. You didn't get it approved in advance. So you're going to have to go do something else. And I was like, I, I've never been one to just uh, kiss the boots of authority. So I was like, well, that's that answer isn't good enough. So you're going to accept this. And it was this ongoing debate for for several months. And finally, I was like, listen, I'm going to set up a call with you and the CEO and the, the rest of the executive team is this startup. And they're going to tell you how valuable this was. And it became this huge, huge thing um, back and forth. And finally, uh, they set up this call. And a couple of days later, the I got a call out, out of the blue. My phone's ringing. It's the founder and CEO of this company, which is now like, you know, it's several thousand people. So the fact that I'm getting a phone call is like, I, I shouldn't be talking to this person anymore. Yeah. And he called me and he's like, I'm in the car with all of our other executive team. We're on the way to our executive treat. And he's like, we just got off the phone with your your college department heads. And they were trying to trying to convince us why they shouldn't give you this credit. And he said, I just unloaded on him. And I just, I wanted to let you know how, how, you know, how much we, we valued working with you. And he's like, you ever need anything? We got your back. He said, they're going to give it to you. And he said, I had to threaten them. If they didn't, I was going to cause a stink, but you're all good. And so I was cleared to graduate. But as I think back to that story, I, that, that was one of, of, of many stories in college that began to sow these seeds of discontent with the education system. Where it's like, some of these other kids, they literally, they went and made coffee for a summer for a company. They like went and ran and got coffee. I, I helped build this thing from scratch and I was a glorified intern at best, but this experience was really valuable. I, I learned a ton. I had to go, I had to go spend a couple summers cold door knocking businesses, mm -hmm. uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of them every week and getting told no. And I, I built, you know, useful skill set. I wasn't prepared to start my own business, but this was like, far more valuable experience than the average yep. internship. And I just remember thinking back to myself, how ridiculous it was that academics mm -hmm. who don't even work in the real world had to, they, they were the ones who were trying to deem whether this experience was valuable for me or not. Mm -hmm. When really the only person who was qualified to, to determine whether this experience was valuable to me or not was me. And that was something that really rubbed me the wrong way that I think ultimately sort of feeds into what we do at Praxis today is some sort of that, that same ethos. I love that. I love that. that. And that's something that people recognize, but they don't own it. Like I resonate with everything you're saying right there. I mean, I resonate obviously with what we're doing here, but people don't yep. lean into it, man. They won't own it. They won't um they'll they'll point a finger at it um but they won't adjust their life because of it and i think it goes back to what we talked about earlier they've now been trained to outsource so they'll point a finger and they'll go i guess that sucks who's gonna give me the next opportunity yep. right versus Okay, cool. I'm going to go make, then I need to go make something happen. I'm going to need to figure out myself in the process. I'm going to need to go freaking get after it. Yep. I love it, man. I, where do you think before, because I want to get into what we're doing, what you're yep. doing now. I want to get into how you got into yep. practices and what that looks like now. But I want to, where, where does that mindset come from for you? Where even in that process where you're like, no, I'm not going to accept that. Um, we're going to go ahead and make this happen. Where, like, why do you, where do you think that mindset came from? 
Is that something that your parents gave you? Is that something you've just kind of always had it? Is that something that you cultivated yourself? Uh, because, I mean, even working with with adults, it's not something that's extraordinarily common. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think it's a combination. Certainly, you know, I got a hat tip my parents. They were, you know, pivotal in helping me develop this framework of values. I think watching my grandpa and dad also build businesses and, and run businesses was was pivotal too. And and getting to see this kind of contrast between education and and like business in the real world. I didn't really appreciate that at, yeah. at that age growing up, but I think also it goes back to this feeling as a young uh, a kid being an outsider and feeling like this 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 need to prove myself and have this chip on my block and I think that that sort of bled into this this you know I'll say it, it was disdain for authority at that yeah. age and it wasn't just outright disdain for authority it was why should I accept rules yep. that are stupid yep. and if this is a stupid rule then I'm going to challenge it because I feel like I I'm being intellectually dishonest with myself. And I also, I also think it's absolutely stupid for me to have to jump through a ton of hoops when I already know what I've done is, is to a high standard because that's, I hold myself to a high standard. So that kind of, you know, that, that, that experience has blossomed into a lot more um, passion for, you know, building a better alternative. I think that I think what you just said right there is what I see across the board for anybody that I would say kind of walks this line and a lot of really, really good entrepreneurs, um, a lot of my favorite people on the planet, a lot of the young men on this call, a lot of the men on this call and families, what you just said right there, there's a little bit of a healthy disdain for faux authority, right, where it's an authority just because it's an authority. Right. It's just 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 because we're told that's an authority. There's a little bit of a healthy disdain for that. But simultaneously, a high standard for self. Yep. Right. Because you can have, if you have one without the other, it's not going to get you the same. You can have that high standard, but be like, oh, God, I really want to, but I'm being told I have to do this. So I better just put my yeah. head down. Right. Or you can go the other way where you're like, yeah, you know, screw the man. Um, <laughs> but your standard for yourself is low too, and you're hypocritical and you don't show up the right way. Right. So I think it is that combination, man. Um, that's so powerful. And, and I, I love that. And that describes, I mean, honestly, you, Cam, obviously Isaac, you know, these guys met Isaac, um, a while back, who was the founder of Praxis awesome. and, um, T, uh, TK is coming in. Yeah. He's coming in with, uh, I think he's coming in with our, with our men here, not too long. Um, so I, I think that is a similar thing that we all share there. So how did you get connected? So gentlemen, what I want to do is I'm going to talk through, him getting connected with Praxis and what they do and what he's doing specifically now. And then I want you guys to start putting your hands up. Um, so young guys, I will prioritize you. So if you want to get your hands up, go for it. But I know we got a lot of, um, you know, awesome humans on the call. Everybody can jump in, man. So um, how did you end up finding and getting connected here on the, on the Praxis side? And then walk these guys through kind of what that, what that looks like the program. Yes. But also like what, what you're doing in your vision there. Yeah. So I'll walk through, uh, 15 plus years of of transition from this like yeah. kid graduating college with with the beginnings of a disdain for higher education as well. Yeah. You know, I, I came out of college, I took a, a job that I was interested in and in, in uh financial uh financial planning because I thought I was going to go to law school. I knew I wanted to start a business, which is crazy that I was thinking about law school. Everybody told me, hey, if you want to go 
if you want to go learn how to run a business, then you need to go get an MBA or you need to go back to law school. Then you're going to need, then you're going to know all the things that you need to know. And I didn't have a better specific plan, but I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to set my sights at right now. There's a certain set of activities that I need to do in order to, to achieve this. And when I, when I started working towards law school, it took me a couple of years to realize this. I, I started a changed course from actually working to, to prepare myself to start a business someday. Instead, I started preparing for law school and business school. Mm-hmm. I went and I, I, I worked that job for a year. I went and worked at a law firm for about a year. I looked around, everybody was miserable. And I'll tell one, one story here and then I'll kind of expedite parts of this journey. But I walked in, I'd started a freelance photography business when I was coming out of college because I love I love that. I love, um, I had a camera. I was willing to show up and take my friend's pictures and people were going to pay me. And I was like, all right, I'm going to start, start making money. And I was doing this on the side while I was working at this law firm. And one day my boss brought me in and he said, Mitchell, if you ever want to be a serious attorney, you need to stop screwing around with photography. You need to quit that. And you need to focus on, on law school. And I didn't know why that advice was wrong at the moment, but I was like, with all due respect, sir, I quit. Like, I'll give you two weeks notice, whatever you want, but I got to go find something else. And so that was a, a pivotal landmark for me in, in deciding, okay, I don't have a plan, but I'm going to lean into that rather than try and construct this plan that was okay for everybody else. You know, being able to tell people, yeah, I'm going to go back to law school. I'm going to, I'm going to go get an MBA. That's, they're impressed by that. And it's, it, they don't push you a lot further, but if you tell people, Hey, yeah, I'm going to go start a business or I'm going to, I'm going to spend the next five years preparing myself so that I can start a business. I'm going to build the skills, the networks, the, or the network, the capital, the resources, all of this. I'm going to spend the next five years. And a lot of the jobs, they're not going to look like they add up to, to learning how to run a business. People don't understand that. They're going to push you a little bit more. And, and there wasn't like a clean, pretty story for me to tell. So I left that job and I just started applying to everything that was awesome. Uh, I ended up working at Foundation for Economic Education, mm-hmm. which is where I met Isaac. I was still telling everybody I was going back to law school because I hadn't hadn't figured out what to do yet. But I knew I'd already kind of made up that my decision that I was like, I'm going to go take this job. And for the next year, I'm going to I'm going to lean into this, do it to the best of my ability with the goal of figuring it out over this next year. Mm. And uh, we were, we were hosting a conference and this is a good anecdote for all the young people on here. Um, because I didn't recognize the, the value of this, but we were putting on a conference. Isaac happened to be speaking at it and he told one of the other, uh, people who were, who was working the conference, who does the introductions to just make up his introduction just because he thought it'd be fun. And this, this girl, she looked at me, she's like, I don't know what to say. She's like, why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? And she's like, you're, you're, you're comfortable doing stuff like this. So I was like, sure. So I went up there and I did my best, like, like WWE ringside announcer voice made up just on the spot. And Isaac just started laughing and he he did a speech and he did his talk. And then afterwards he came and find me and we hit it off immediately. And he was like, Hey, you seem like a smart hardworking guy who's willing to like do whatever it takes to go figure it out. It's like, he found out that I, I had an entrepreneurial ambitions and yeah. he's like, why would you go back to school? He said, give me one year. 
Let me make some introductions for you. Let me help you find a way to do, to work on some cool stuff. And he's like, if one year from now, you don't have more clarity about how to go take that next step. He said, go back to school. It's always going to be there. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going all in. So that, that was where my, my praxis story began. Um, I went and worked at several more startups in between uh, before I ended up coming back and uh, taking over uh, the business with, with Cameron, who's one of my close friends, but um, so many different parts of that journey led to this sort of personal, personal mission to help people figure it out. Um, I, I left out a lot of, a lot of the, uh, hurdles I had to jump over, but it was a lot of those obstacles that I kept coming up with that was like, why is this here? This is a stupid obstacle. Um, there's a better way to do this. And, you know, it took most of, most of that journey 10, 15, 20 years of running into obstacles to kind of realize, hey, there's this better way. And so um, that's a big part of what, you know, the the ethos of Praxis is about is, is the most practical way to go start your adult life, um, to go take, um, you know, all of the ambition and energy you have at 17, 16, 17, 18 years old, you know, you want to go work hard, you know, you want to go work towards something more, but you don't know how to turn that into a specific roadmap, mm-hmm. or you don't necessarily know where you're trying to go. You know, hey, I've got work ethic. I've got high character. I want to learn. I don't know what I want to do for a career. Help me figure that out. Help me build momentum. Help me, you know, help me not fizzle out mm-hmm. so that two to three years from now, because I didn't have a clear vision, I find myself mm-hmm. like working a job I hate mm-hmm. and still wishing that I, you know, I could be doing something different. And so the program is really just infrastructure for that. It's yeah. mentorship, it's uh, career development, it's curriculum, it's professional network, and it's a you know it's a group of people who are invested in in helping you go make the strongest start possible. Bingo, that's exactly it. It's a beautiful flipping thing. It sounds very similar to what we're doing here at Apogee, gentlemen, and that's for young men, men, families, ladies. But I mean, that's exactly what it is. Some of the things you said right there are, are literally simplified. This is this is the game. Lean in to whatever you're doing and to the best of your ability. All right, we talk about here, we say fire aim ready. Well, you've got a roadmap in front of you. It's not going to be the, the, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the perfect roadmap for every single person. That doesn't exist, but you have a roadmap. So you lean in to the best of your ability. You pour in where you can pour in. And then you see what doors open because of that. And then you're going to choose another door. You're going to have a couple of opportunities, right? And you're going to walk through that door and then you're going to have some opportunities there. And so you can pick one and you're going to lean in. And it's literally that over and over and over. And in the midst of that, you're going to have various problems and obstacles that come in. And so you're going to learn how to solve those problems. Sometimes you're solving it for somebody else. Sometimes you're figuring out how to solve it yourself. Sometimes you're, you know, operating with divergent thinking and you're creating a million different ways to solve it. And maybe you find a way to solve something that hasn't been done before. Like that's the game. You don't have to have more of a roadmap than that. And hey, by the way, that takes you into forever. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. Like, that's the way it works, man. Uh, Freaking, I love it. Uh, Let's bring some of these young guys in here. So let's get Mr. Malachi Duncan. I think you know this guy. Let's go. Malachi, what's up? Nice to, well, I would say nice to see you. I tried to turn my camera on and it says my camera is being used by other apps, which is potentially problematic because there's nothing else (laughs) open. But um, that aside, it is nice to see me to see you. Um, 
I just wonder if, you know, obviously you went through the like overview of what Praxis does, but if you can go into a little bit more detail on um, the skills that you'll gain over the course of the nine months, um, personal finance being one of the big ones that stuck out to me, but if you could just run down some more of those things. Mm. Yeah, yeah, great question. So it's a combination of foundational professional skills and foundational life skills. That's the that's the sort of bedrock of the program. And then on top of that, it's career development and skills specific to the area of interest um, that, that you're trying to pursue. So when I say foundational life and, and professional skills, so you mentioned uh, personal finance, that's a big one. Um, I didn't realize until, you know, well into my twenties, how, how much personal finance is really the, the thread work of every goal that you have professionally. If you get that right, you've already won 80% of the game. So that's a big one. Um, time and task management, uh, professional communication, how to pitch yourself, how to, how to find opportunities and the whole hiring process, everything from interview prep to how to apply to jobs, how to uh, go reach out to people and build your professional network organically. Um, there is... Uh, there's a lot of emphasis on content creation and building your professional reputation and building a body of work. So uh, teaching you systematically how to go explore your interests and do something with them. So most of our students have either a blog or a YouTube channel, or they start a podcast, or they start some way that they're, this is a, I like to call it learning out loud, but they are um beginning to build a body of work around the things that they want to be known for, around the skills they want to develop more deeply, around the career paths and career interests that they have. That's all sort of table stake stuff that we expect from our students. Now, beyond that, I mentioned career development. Our goal over the first two months of the program is to help our students gain clarity about the direction that they want to go. They may not have a perfect crystal clear vision, but it's we want to help you identify some hunches. You may think that you know, you like to talk to people, you like to solve problems. Okay, let's explore sales or marketing or customer support. We're going to teach you everything through the lens of like how, how this operates in a business. So um, it's not just study this idea in isolation. It's very, very practical thing. So um, it, it, as you begin to develop some hunches about the direction you want to go, you and your mentor are going to build a curriculum plan for the program. And every month you're going to be completing modules that are designed to help you build the skills you need to go pursue what you're trying to do in the real world. Whether you're trying to get hired, whether you're trying to start a business someday, whether you're trying to start your own freelance gig um, or, or have some other stated goal, the rest of the program is going to have a curriculum roadmap that you're working one-on-one -on -one with a mentor to uh, refine over time as you get more clarity about your goal. Yeah, like I was awesome. Super cool. I mean, obviously, I think it's super cool, right? But um, <laughs> I appreciate that. And, you know, the more that I looked into Praxis, the more I'm like, man, we need to talk about this more. Um, so I appreciate that. And, you know, for all the all the dudes on here that are, you know, 16, 17, 18, um, who also think college sucks, um, definitely do look into Praxis and look at that as an option, because it doesn't you know, it, it's built to set you up as Apogee does for life. But thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah, you bet, Malachi.
Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is one of the, you know, I've been forever bullish and I've talked to you guys about Praxis a number of times. And this is, this is the reason, you know, is because what, what Mitchell's outlining is a roadmap to education. I've always told you guys, all education ends up ultimately being self-education. It is you having to figure out who you are. It is you having to hold that high standard. It's you having to go create proactively versus reactively going, okay, well, what's the world going to give me? Right. And that that's where real education lies. So uh, everything that that Mitchell's talking about here, I mean, if you're paying attention, is is quite literally a next step of exactly what you guys are doing here. You guys are creating this digital portfolio. You guys are going through this this roadmap of creating these leadership experiences. And you're coming out with this portfolio, whether you some of you guys are doing it on YouTube, some of you guys are doing it on Instagram, some of you guys are doing it on you know, Google Slides, some of you guys have made websites, all of those things are great. You're building out the brand of you while simultaneously building out the self-awareness of who you are and where you want to go and the skill sets that you have, right? It's a logical next step. Um, and and I just, I don't know of anybody doing it any better. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely love it. Josiah. Thank you, for, sir, for your time. To, uh, today, my question is, if you could go back in the past with your prior knowledge and tell your past self one thing, what one sentence, what would that sentence be and why? Mm. Ooh, boiling it down to one sentence is, is the tricky part, um, especially as I think is about who I was at 17, just hard headed and, and, you know, not probably willing to listen to people who are going to give me good advice, but, um, the gist of what advice I wish I would know at 17 and, 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 and listen to is that there's a path to all the things that I wanted to do that doesn't necessarily have to look like the path everybody else takes. Um, I have told so many people uh, so many times, like if I could go back to 17 with everything that I know now, I would have been a multimillionaire by, you know, 22 and I would have been working on all the cool things that I wanted to by 25 because I would have I've already won the game. And I think that so much of my journey was figuring out how to figure out which games to play <laughs> rather than just trying to win at the game that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather than asking like, hey, is this even a game that I want to be playing? So yeah, it's very good. What do you think, Josiah? Great answer, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Here is uh, an amazing educator himself here coming in, Mr. Drake. And Mr. Drake, by the way, um, right before this, uh, I just got off the phone right before this call with uh, Candace from uh, from Highwire. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So thank you for that. Thank you for that intro. Yeah. And that brings me right to my question. And thank you for your time. Uh, Mitchell, very, very cool conversation. And I know it's very applicable to my family. I have a 13 or soon to be 13 year old, soon to be 17 year old, who's also present on this call. So really, really happy he's listening in. Um, my question to you, and this this is exactly what Matt is has just shared, is can you talk about the importance of building your network? And specifically, what do you do? Like, what are your hacks to maintain those relationships over time Mm. and kind of a, I'm just looking over here. um, 
there's a side question. It's a second question. It has nothing to do with network, which is my primary focus, is what are the ramifications of, of your social media presence or posting something on the internet that you're like, ah, man, why did I do that? Or why did I let my friends take that picture of me? That, that, that kind of yeah. thing. So um, two questions, but most importantly, the network question. Good question. Yeah, let's start. Let's let's start with. I'm going to start with the second question because, okay. uh, and then we'll, we'll come around to network because I want to spend a little bit more time in the network. But so when I was when I was in college, I remember a professor telling me, you know, hey, you don't post beer pictures online. Don't post any pictures with you, you know, drinking or out or partying or like having a beer in your hand because people aren't going to hire you for that. And I thought that was kind of silly. Um, I mean, it's decent. It's decent judgment to begin with. This idea of don't. Don't create this online persona of you that is um, negative or something like that. That was that was it was generally well-meaning advice. But the part that rubbed me the wrong way is this idea of shielding your identity from the types of people that you want to work with or like holding back a version of yourself. I think today, mostly there's so much content online and probably for the first few years until you have built something meaningful online, if you're going to create a ton of content like nobody's watching anyway. Um, your opportunity to realize something stupid and go take it down or go modify it. You have, you have a good window, unless it's something egregious. Like there are some doors you can't uh, go back through once you open them. So like there is a certain level of judgment you have to use on that. But when it comes to kind of the bigger picture self of like, uh, don't, don't express your views out, out, out on online because of the ram, potential ramifications with that is if it's a core part of your identity, then don't worry about the opportunities you're going to lose. Um, instead, realize that they're probably going to be better, higher quality opportunities that are more aligned with you. If, if you are, you know, being in line with yourself or being aligned in the way that you create content, it doesn't mean you have to post your whole life online, but don't be afraid that, People that you probably don't want to work with anyway aren't going to hire you. Um, but to to wrap that all up, like in 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 short, like mostly you've got to use good judgment. Uh, I'm thankful that I didn't grow up in a time where everybody had iPhones that were uh, able to just blast content out instantaneously. As a young adult, you've got you've got a uh, you've got a big challenge in this world, like to not put yourself in the kind of situations that lead to the bad outcome. Um, which, you know, they're, they're actually high stakes there. If you're, if you're doing something egregious and it gets posted online, like sometimes you don't have time to respond. So I think it all comes down to using judgment and trying to avoid those types of situations and the types of people. And, and, and this is where I'd say thinking about network is kind of the next step of that, about this is being intentional about who you're surrounding yourself with is kind of the first step to begin to building a strong network. A good precursor to building a strong network is focusing on building a valuable reputation for yourself. And this doesn't mean just online. This means in sort of all the interactions you have. Are you the type of person that when somebody walks away, they're like, wow, I'm better off for knowing that person or having met them? That That's the bar. Um, aim to be that type of person. Aim to be the type of person that people are, are better off for knowing. And that's... You know, that's a small circle when you think about the people that you know right now and the people that you interact with. So how do you take it to that next level? You have to be deliberate. And there are two different ways that I think you can be deliberate that are really effective. One is you've got to begin to build this body of work around yourself and the thing you're in, things you're interested in. So this is 
you know, just regularly creating content. You don't have to post every day about something, but a good simple way is right now as a teenager, go write a book review for every book you, you, you like, and, and don't just make it a simple one line, like actually break down why it was interesting, you know, spend some time on that, be thoughtful, begin to do simple things like that and expand on that as your interests expand. So say you get really into some particular um, career path or something like that, like begin to create content around that because that's your inbound network uh, generation. I can't tell you how many people, you know, that I've worked with Praxis and and just in the, in the world, even outside of Praxis, so many cool opportunities have fallen into their lap because they were doing good work and people noticed. They were, they were sharing their ideas and people reached out to them. That organic network creation is probably the highest quality, but it's something you don't really have control over. So that brings me to the second point about being deliberate about building your network. Anytime you see somebody who's doing something that excites you or interests you, especially early in your career, when people, when you use the word, the magic word, I'm a student, or I'm a young adult trying to break into this career, people will bend over for you. When you when you get in your 30s, you've lost that. You know, this is like, you can't be the Girl Scout selling cookies and, and get everybody to, to, to say yes because of your cute smile when you're in your 20s. You know, mm -hmm. like you have advantages at the start of your career to to say, hey, I'm learning. I'm just starting out. Right. You know, I'd love to I'd love to buy you coffee for 15 minutes um, of advice about how you got your start. Or that's like level one. I think level two is you find somebody that's doing something that excites you and you find a way to be valuable to them. Don't just reach out to them and say, hey, how can I help? How can I get involved? Find a specific thing that you can do for them and pitch them on it. Level three is going ahead and doing it and then presenting it to them. One example, one of my favorite examples, I had, a, I had a student a few years ago who was really into marketing. She wanted to, uh, she wanted to land, you know, marketing jobs. She'd been freelancing. She, she had skills. She hadn't really built up the right on paper pedigree to go land an awesome marketing job. Um, but she knew that's what she wanted to do. And she went all in on it. And she found a couple of, of very popular podcasters who talked about marketing. And she went and broke down a bunch of their podcasts. She created uh, graphic design, like slide reels for Instagram and social media of their podcast. She she created a couple landing pages for episodes, wrote show notes, did all this stuff that the podcaster hadn't done yet. And she started sharing that. She was like, oh my gosh, here's something I learned on that. It was so valuable. Here's, you know, for anybody else who likes this podcast, I went ahead and copied all these notes and, you know, hope this is useful and like tag them in it and did that a couple of times for a few different people. Eventually, one of them took notice and they reached out to her and they had a conversation and they opened the door for her to some other opportunities. And it was it was again, it wasn't something that was this really complicated thing. It's find something you're interested in, find somebody who's already doing it, find a specific way to be valuable to them. And you don't have to do that in a, a like icky transactional way. Do it because you really want to be valuable to them, because you really believe in what they're doing. You're really excited. And if you can do that find a way to be valuable to somebody who's already doing like mm -hmm. doors are going to open to you. And so it's those two, that organic way. And then that very deliberate outbound way um, that I, I think have been the the pillars to success for most people. Nice. Very cool. Um, some, a couple of things you, you, you have pointed out there, the reading list, you know, and in, in doing book reviews and such, 
fortunately, Matt and team have uh, created an awesome reading list for for all of these guys and for the men and for the for the entire uh, Apogee community. So we've got that covered and to a point. Um, and the other thing is, you know, that I'm just thinking of my business and when I was in op an operations role, had a hundred plus employees that rolled up to me. When, when they were looking for a growth opportunity, I could tell the high potential folks that wanted to do it. I told them, I said, do this, do this, do the job that you want to do without me asking you to do it. And mm. that job will become yours yep. and do that every time you want to, to level up, just do the job. You know, yep. you want to be, go from being a dishwasher to a, a prep cook, do the job, just do it. Don't ask, uh, you know, just get in with the chef and, and, and be curious and you'll get that job. You'll be next in line because you are you, you show interest and passion for it and then do that over and over again. And all of a sudden you're running the place, you know, in, in a couple of years. So, you know, that's just one example of, of how we do it in, in my world. But um, that's awesome. yeah, really, really great stuff. And thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. Really good, man. Um, the that concept you know when you're talking about the level one level two level three gentlemen please understand like that that level one what would you'll, you'll actually turn some people off if you reach out and just go hey how can i provide value right because you're reaching out to people who usually have a lot on their plate and you're going hey you don't know who i am and can you now find something for me to do for you right like that's actually going to be kind of annoying and it's going to get like you just hold on i don't know you and you just reach out and task me with something to do for you to help me like that, you know, it's, it's not going to go over well. So what, you know, what he's saying right there is you stepping in and just going, look, man, I'm providing this for you. Here you go. No expectation. And you just keep going like that. Um, that's a great way. It's a great way to, to, to build that network. And, and whether that's somebody that's outside your network or somebody within, you know, within your network and within opportunities, you stepping into those roles and just doing the work is huge and doing quality work and the advantage that mitchell just talked about that you guys have with being young and saying i'm a student i'm a man take advantage of that opportunity take advantage um because it does it dwindles every it, it'll dwindle every year nobody's going to want to talk to a you know 40 something year old bearded gray dude right now nobody's going to care if i go knock and go hey i want to do like nobody cares man um, and I like what you're talking about on the posting and stuff too, because, and Eric, that's a great, it was a great question on that because there's a difference between, well, you know, I don't want to post dumb things. The bigger question is why are you doing dumb things, right? Figure that part out first. What's your value set? Why are you doing stupid stuff? Shouldn't even be about posting because what you post should be representative of who you are and, and what you believe and how you show up every day, right? So the more important question is why am I doing something stupid in the first place? Let's, let's eradicate that. And then as we get into posting, um, you know, without having to censor ourselves, you're right. You're going to inherently, you know, you could be polarizing, but it's not a bad thing. I remember posting um, something very specifically about how we weren't shutting our schools down and how we weren't going to mask our kids. I lost families. I lost families for posting that. And I also gained enough families to open another campus. Right. Yep. So, That's I how mean, it works. That's how it works. We, you know, when you find you find the right people by by not being hypocritical. You know, yep. that's a huge part of that. Um, what do you guys look for 
Mitchell, is you got, and I know we're coming up to the hour, man, too. So I know I, gosh, I didn't even realize it was going this fast, but if you don't mind, man, what are you guys looking for when you're partnering with a, a young person coming in or a family, if you got time for a couple minutes to just uh, lay yeah. that out, first, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I have time. So it's, it's very different from traditional academia. We're not going to ask for your transcripts, your test scores, your GPA, or really anything to do with high school. Mm. What we want to know is, are you high character? Mm. Are you hardworking? Are you intellectually curious? Those are the three big things we're looking for. And and there are, there are a few different ways that those tend to manifest themselves, especially in young adults who don't have a ton of life and career experience. It's not always, you know, work ethic isn't always, I have, I have a ton of work history. It's sometimes it's, do you have a demonstrated track record of doing something with the things you're interested in rather than just being passive? And so this could be, Hey, I, I was a four-year starter on my football team, or, you know, I was, I, I, uh, I'm a very accomplished musician or something like that, or, Hey, I, I've written a book or I've started a blog or I volunteered, you know, for X many years. And here's how I, you know, here's how I made an impact. Work experience always helps. And, and, and the big differentiator from work experience, it's not that you had a job, it's, it's the intangibles that come as a result of job, the mindset shift of like understanding what it means to participate in the economy and in the, in the mutual exchange of value and, and learning that. That's a really good mindset shift that will prepare you for the program. And so this is another reason why even if students don't have work experience prior to the program and the missions, something we encourage because that mindset shift is, is, is critical um, and it, and it raises the bar for the other things. It raises the bar for intellectual curiosity and for high character. If you can learn how to be valuable to other people sort of spills over in these other areas. Um, high character, that's an easy one. You know, you're going to get to know people. You're going to get to understand what, you know, get a sense for the commitments that they've made and uh, how they've, how they've done keeping those commitments, what goals they've set and how they've worked, uh, worked towards them. And we will also ask for references in, in that regard, um, the, the, the intellectual curiosity one is a bit more nebulous because it's not, hey, you have to be interested in these specific things. It's what is your relationship to ideas? Are you, mm. it, I can't tell you how many students I've interviewed that were really good students, but got low marks when it comes to intellectual curiosity um, because they it, it was a playing a game, but it wasn't, you know, it's, it wasn't about being a lifelong learner. It was about winning at school rather than prioritizing their own self-education. And so those are probably more important than anything else. Those three, you know, work ethic, character, curiosity um, are what we measure for. Really good. I love that question. What's your relationship with ideas? I think that's a fascinating, I think that's a fascinating question. Um, and it's actually one, just so you guys know, man, I'm going to pose that to you guys during the debrief, man. What is your relationship with ideas? I want you to think about that. And that's great for the men on here too, right? And it's great. Like what, what is your relationship with that? What is your relationship with curiosity? What is, are you reactive? Are you proactive? Um, are you willing to, um, uh, take a dive and and take a stand on your ideas? Are you willing to challenge your ideas um, and take a look at the other side? Are you willing to have conversations around that and engage with it and wrestle with the ideas, right? We talk about critical thinking, but that means you're thinking about your thinking. 
So <laughs> this is what I'm thinking. Why am I thinking that? What are the, what are the experiences? What are the thoughts? What is the network? Like, what has driven me to think this way and who thinks something differently? And is there anything I can learn from them? And does that bolster my, my, you know, view on this or does it, does it make me want to shift? All those things are ridiculously powerful, man. Oh, I really love that. All right. I know we're at time. Um, I want to honor your time and I'm going to take these guys through a debrief. So um, we want to put this out as obviously we got a lot more conversation to, to keep going on all this. Um, and we'll get this out as a podcast too. So I want to make sure that people know one, where to find you, where to find, um, you know, what you're up to with Praxis. And then two, anything you can think of outside of what you already know, we're going to be doing here, um, where we can support you as an organization as well. So those are the last questions here and we'll get you out of here. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. A anybody has questions, reach out to me over email, Mitchell at discoverpraxis.com. I'm happy to jump on a call with you one-on-one -on -one or parents and, and student together uh, to answer any questions there, discoverpraxis.com. You can find everything out about the program there as well. There's guides, there's more information. And as a, as a heads up here, this is uh, for, for Apogee. We have a scholarship program uh, with, with Matt, with Apogee. So definitely reach out to me, Mitchell at discoverpraxis.com. We will, you know, we'll discuss that as well, all the details of that. And, you know, thank you for your time. This has been awesome. Um, I will, I will, I will say that, you know, everybody I've interacted with this has come out of the Apogee program. You know, there's a high bar there. You guys are killing it. Um, you know, show up every day, like, like Matt, I know he's encouraging you to do and keep doing it. And even on the top, even on the days when you're not sure what the work is taking you to in the future, um, it has a, has a tendency to compound in a positive way. So keep doing it. And, uh, thank you all for, for sharing your time and your attentiveness and great questions today. You have now taken the step to becoming a great leader of tomorrow. Join the Apogee program by visiting www.apogeestrong.com. For inquiries, contact us 916-728-0606 or email matt at apogeestrong.com. Thank you for listening to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. Stay tuned for more episodes.